Welcome to the Arts and Health Southwest podcast, where we discuss arts and health work happening in the southwest of England and beyond. In this episode, I'm joined by Rajashree Sasodia, and we talk about the relationship between creative writing for therapeutic purposes and Vedic meditation. We're also lucky enough to have a 20-minute creative writing activity embedded within this episode. If you want to take part in this, all you'll need is a place to sit, a pen or pencil, and some paper to write on. This starts at about 15 minutes 30 seconds into the episode, and if you want to skip it, you can skip ahead to 37 minutes in, where the discussion picks up again afterwards. Welcome to the Arts and Health Southwest podcast. My name is Hannah Mumby and I'm the General Manager at Arts and Health Southwest. I'm really pleased to welcome you to this episode where we have Rajeshree Sasodia uh, here with me today. Rajeshree, would you like to introduce yourself uh, to the listeners? Hi, thanks Hannah and hi to everyone who's listening. It's great to be here. I'm Rajeshree Sisodia and I'm a therapeutic writing facilitator based in London. And I design and run therapeutic writing workshops online and in person and for groups and one-to-ones through my practice, Well Through Words. Thanks, Rajeshri. And I wonder if you could start us off by telling us a little bit about both these sides of your practice. So you're somebody who has a Vedic meditation practice, but also a creative writing practice. Could you tell us a little bit about how those two have come together for you? Yeah, sure. So uh, I trained to be a therapeutic creative writing facilitator with a degree in creative writing for therapeutic purposes. Uh, it's also known as, as therapeutic writing or writing for well-being. And it's basically about using the process of writing and sharing our writing with ourselves and with others in a safe environment as a way to foster our emotional well-being. So Hannah, in that way, it's a little different from traditional creative writing as it's not about writing the best story or the best poem or piece of writing. Instead, it's uh, a way for us to experiment with our writing in whichever forms that we would like it to take ourselves and then to share our writing with ourselves and others as a way to build our self-awareness, our confidence, but also to relax and to have fun. And it also encourages us to be flexible about what writing is and who is a writer. And it's based on a method called expressive writing, which was first coined by a social psychologist back in the 1980s. And his name was uh, James Pennybaker. And he first used the process of writing to help his clients process uh, traumatic events such as bereavement or the breakdown of a relationship. And he showed back then how writing can help us to structure our thoughts and our feelings, and then also to provide perspective, which can then nurture our self-awareness. And one of the things that appealed about therapeutic writing for me was its versatility. Anyone can take part in it, whether you're young or you're old, or even people who may be living with conditions that may impact their ability to communicate, such as dementia or Alzheimer's, as we can work with carers, along with the people who are living with these kind of conditions, to use therapeutic writing. So in that sense, it can kind of democratise access to well-being. And in terms of Vedic meditation, well, I'd been practicing this form of meditation uh, before therapeutic creative writing for almost seven years now. Um, And it's practiced twice daily. You're seated with your eyes closed. Meditators gently take the 
impulse of the mantra given to them by their teacher uh, as a vehicle to quieten down the mind. And the mantra that your teacher gives you is meaningless, but it's chosen for its vibrational qualities and its impact on the nervous system. But it's important to say here that there are different types of meditative techniques, and they're quite different from each other. So some of the different categories of or different types of meditation that we have are concentration types, which you focus your concentration on an object or such as a breathing or your or a mantra. And Zen and Vipassana are those kind of uh, techniques. Then you've got the awareness types that encourage you to focus your awareness on several objects in order to explore all of them. And mindfulness practices are like this. But Vedic meditation is in a third category and it's called uh, automatic self-transcending. And it's marked by an absence of focus or individual control or effort. It's meant to be subtle without any effort. And it's in the same category as transcendental meditation. And it's this absence of effort that's important because if we have to make an effort or if we have to try to focus, this keeps our mind engaged and it stops us from transcending. The thing that appealed to me about uh, Vedic meditation is it can be practiced by anyone, anywhere, as long as you have the mantra from your teacher. You don't need to be in a quiet, still place. Um, and it, it, increases the, it, it increases our self-awareness so that that can then spill over into our relationships with ourselves and with others. And so the interesting thing about it as a form of meditation is that people who have been practicing it for a very long time and also novices to the technique report similar experiences. So in this sense, in this sense a bit like therapeutic uh, creative writing, it can also democratize access to well-being. And in terms of combining the two practices, I kind of started doing that myself without even realizing I would meditate and then write. And I just remember there's a well-known meditator called Rupert Spira, and he once said that meditation takes place in the space between words. So weaving the two practices together fitted for me as a way for me to become more self-aware, which then had an impact on me and my relationship. So in my practice, I, I was excited to see if whether other people would experience the similar kinds of things that I had done. That is so interesting. Thanks, Rajeshri. And it's given me a lot to think about. And I was sort of trying to draw together some threads while you were talking. And uh, one of the things that I find really intriguing um, is this idea of sharing something with yourself uh, in terms of writing practice and meditation practice. And just because meditation is quite a personal experience not in the sense of like personal in, in terms of like your identity or your ego or something like that but in the sense that it's only you experiencing it so I wonder if you can say anything more about your experience of what it means to sort of um, share something with yourself maybe in terms of uh, for those who have never used a mantra before for example like what your um, experience is of of, I suppose your relationship to those words in that kind of closed loop just with yourself if that makes sense, that might be a complicated question, sorry. <laughs> so you're asking me in terms of sharing things with myself in terms of the meditation side, not the creative uh, therapeutic writing side? Oh, well, may maybe it's more the um, therapeutic creative writing side, but it just struck me that if you're talking about creative writing and sharing something with yourself after you've written it, that seems, it, it just sort of had a resonance for me with with meditation practice in terms of like sharing sharing a sort of space with yourself or with um with a mantra and I just wondered if you had any reflections on on that kind of idea really but I might be sort of barking up a totally bonkers tree there <laughs> no I think yeah I mean 
I think uh, you're right. There's a, a sense of within creative writing for therapeutic purposes or writing for well-being, we we can write and then we can put things away and we can go back or even if you keep a journal or you write for yourself and when you go back to it you will without even sharing it with another human being or reading it out aloud you can just read reread what you've written and something new will emerge or a new feeling or a sensation you can feel it inside you when you're rereading something that you'd written previously um and uh, again if you then read out loud uh in your words it's almost like they take on another the another form through the act of reading them out loud even before someone else responds to them in any any other way so in that sense sharing things with yourself and rereading and then reflecting on that um can really usher in some really interesting surprising things you, you know you can can take people to deep places and in meditation as well i think for me the practice has given me a way to carve out a space in which I can better understand myself and the way that I uh, feel about things, the way that I process things, the, and my, by default, then my relationship with myself and then my relationship with other people and, and my physical environment. But that starts from the process of looking at my relationship with myself. And that this process of meditation works for me in that sense. And so there's a, I think there's a link between the two it, with regards to providing space for yourself and then sharing with yourself, uh, which which clearly, you know, means that you've got to be honest with yourself. And with that, you know, there, there's a degree of vulnerability, I think. Mm, that's really interesting. I, I kind of, I like what you're saying there about how when you reread something back to yourself say a journal uh, even if it you're not reading it out loud it you sort of form a new relationship with the words through repetition I think there's something that um almost that feels really embodied about that and that's quite interesting in terms of words often feeling like something that you write down and are an external thing but um, the other thing that I was really interested in when you were speaking was this idea of Vedic meditation being about almost like trying to get away from effort or it's sort of like a practice of not efforting, if that makes sense. And then I was really interested to hear how that combines with a writing practice to sort of almost draw attention to the spaces between words. I was trying to figure out how that works because often writing feels like quite a deliberate um, act to me if, I, if I'm writing something down I'm quite focused on a message or I've, I've got an intention I suppose that's really that feels really deliberate so the idea of writing um, in a way that's influenced by the spaces in between or like maybe opening up a space for the unknown is kind of really fascinating and I just wondered if you're able to say anything more about your experience of that. Yeah I mean uh, the unknown it can be fascinating and also be quite daunting letting go of that idea of, okay, I want, I want to go into this particular piece of writing with a certain idea within a certain time frame or within a certain time, uh, mind frame rather, um, and letting go of that kind of release of getting, you know, letting go of the idea of I need to control this in this way and just letting it be, letting yourself be. And then if you're if you find that you're, you struggle to write, you know, I'm, I'm a facilitator of therapeutic writing, but I will pick up my pen sometimes in my own practice and I don't know what to write. 
And then it's just so, in that sense, Hannah, it's being comfortable sitting in that uncertainty and just letting yourself be in that uncertainty. If you find that you can't write, that's okay. And also, you know, you don't have to, it's not prescribed. There's the ability within uh, therapeutic creative writing to experiment, push the boundaries of what writing is, and also to experiment with the form of your writing, which, you know, again, has implications for uh, well-being and therapeutic value. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying to yourself, I have to write in a certain way or even that I have to write, but also being aware of how you feel, you know, when you're in that uncertainty and you're in that unknowing, you know, you can write about how you feel being in that uncertainty. Is it sort of like that opens up space to be less constrained by like different ways of thinking, I suppose, because I was wondering, oh, what happens to something like narrative when you're writing from a place that's quite sort of, I don't know, ex- maybe experimental or or just sort of surprising where you're not writing with a preconceived plan in mind. You're letting something unfurl. You Maybe you're not particularly writing for anybody either. And and I wonder if that has a sort of impact on people in terms of their, you know, allowing a bit more space for different parts of them to be revealed when you participate in a, a sort of writing practice like that, where it's like it kind of allows those structures to fall away a little bit. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it's sometimes it's quite surprising, you know, these ingrained things, we internalise a lot of, you know, systems and structures within ourselves and in terms of allowing yourself to do that, one of the biggest uh, challenges people can find is the, you know, judgment from others, but also the inner critic within ourselves. You know, my writing isn't good enough. What, you know, I'm not good enough. Whereas, you know, we are all good enough. What we write is good enough. You know, everyone should feel valued and respected, you know, and the, and the same applies to, to our writing. You know, that's creative writing for therapeutic purposes or you know, writing for well-being is not about uh, writing the best piece of poetry or, you know, writing the best story. And that's, you know, but it's it's, sometimes it's very difficult to shake off these kind of um, constructs, these barriers that we can, you know, put up for ourselves to climb around those and say, well, actually, no, it can be freeing, it can liberate, but it can be, um, it can also be extremely daunting and it can also shed light on things that we might not have might not have necessarily been aware of and in the same way with you know meditation you know going into meditation with I want to have this set goal this preconceived idea of feeling you know divorced from the world and separate and feeling you know like everything's really calm and you know I'm feeling where you know I don't really want to engage with the world well that's not what what it's really about it's about building our own self-awareness and then taking that knowledge out into the world to have some kind of practical you know impact of, of of our meditation I really loved the way you described that I think that's really beautiful and I get a sense of the like potential like transformation that could happen from a practice like that and um I think listeners are going to be in for a treat because uh, Rajeshri is actually going to give us a little insight into what a creative writing for well-being activity might look like. So Rajeshri, I don't know if you want to introduce um, the activity that you're going to offer us next. Sure. So everyone who's listening, you can take part in a short 15 to 18 minute guided therapeutic writing activity now. That's based on some of the writing activities that I use in my workshop. 
What you'll need is a comfortable place to sit, a pen or a pencil, and a notebook or some paper to write on. Now I'm going to slowly introduce you to a guided settling in activity on the theme of us exploring our inner landscapes and our feelings of belonging. Now for the next few minutes, I'd like you to close your eyes and ease into your chair or wherever you're seated and think of a time when you were on your own, immersed in your own thoughts and feelings and you felt connected with yourself, just being with yourself. You may have been sitting by the sea or reading a book or sitting in a cafe and daydreaming out of the window or at home in your favorite spot on the sofa. Ease yourself into that space and into those feelings gently and stay with them. Maybe you remember the feeling of the sun on your face or the smell of the sea or the sounds of the waves. Or maybe you, hear, you can hear the sounds from outside coming in through the open window or the feel of your carpet under your bare feet or the sand as you wriggled your toes. How did that feel then and how does it feel now? Hold this memory, the sensation close to you. And if nothing comes to mind, that's also fine. Let that feeling, the uncertainty and the unknowing hold you. It is part of you and it is part of this. And don't worry about timings. I will let you know when this comes to an end.
Now, slowly, gently, if you'd like to open or raise your eyes and gently come back into the room with me here. Now, as I bring this to an end and holding those feelings and thoughts close to you, we are now going to go back into them once more. In a moment, I'm going to introduce a piece of sound to you. And what I'd like you to do is to feel it deep inside yourself. Get a sense of what it invokes in you, the thoughts, the feelings, the images, the smells and sounds. And when we get to the end of the piece, I'm going to invite you to write from those feelings and thoughts and then to share your writing with yourself. Again, if you feel like it, you may want to close or lower your eyes as you now start to hear the sound.
gently, I'd like you to come back out of this sound, reopen your eyes and come back into the space with me. Now, spend the next few minutes writing about anything that comes to you in this moment. Use the paper in front of you to explore how you feel and where you are at right now. Any thoughts or feelings that emerged while you were listening to the sound? Or possibly something about how this whole activity is making you feel? How does it feel? Hold the memory, the sense, the feeling close to you. You may want to write from it. You can free write, write a stream of consciousness, a poem, a letter, or even draw about how you feel in the now. There isn't any right or wrong. Anything you write is fine. And if nothing comes to mind, that's also fine. Just take your time and let whatever emerges come. Or maybe you can write about how being asked to take part in this activity is making you feel. And I'll let you know when we bring this to a close.
Now, if you could bring your writing to an end, finish the sentence that you're on and join me back here in this space. Thank you. Now, I'd like you to invite you to spend the next few minutes just going back over your writing and to reread it and reflect on it by yourself. Is there anything about what you wrote or how you felt then or how you feel now that strikes you? Or anything about how you found doing this activity that stands out? You may want to underline or highlight anything that resonates with you. Now, if you'd like to bring that to a close, you can go back to this activity in your own time, if you feel you'd like to. Thank you. So Hannah, this activity didn't include meditation, but it's the kind of practice that I use myself and with others in workshops that I facilitate, with the added element of people being invited to share their writing with the facilitator and with others in the group, as long as they feel comfortable sharing. And if they don't want to share during the workshops, there's never any pressure for them to do so. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that with us and taking us on a little journey there. I feel like that was a little gift for my ears. Um, so just to sort of bring us gently back into discussion, um, I wondered, Rajeshree, if I could ask you how you combine 
this sort of practice with a research practice, which I know is another element of what you do. If you could tell us a little bit about how those have come together. So as I was studying for my um, degree in creative writing for therapeutic purposes, um, I was also practicing Vedic meditation and combining the two without even really realizing. And then I sensed that something was happening when I combined the two practices. So when it came to the time for my degree where I had to uh, carry out my own research, um, I thought it would be a good idea to see if others had similar experiences to mine. And so I looked at the potential impact on emotional well-being of combining Vedic meditation with uh, writing for well-being. So this involved me carrying out a research study with me and a volunteer who also practices Vedic meditation, who took part with me uh, as I led three workshops to look for any potential changes in emotional well-being. And um, the kinds of aspects of well-being that I looked at for my research were shifts in the narratives or the stories we tell ourselves and others about ourselves and our experiences, a sense of connection with ourselves and with others and with the physical environment, and our ability to reflect and be reflexive, um, experimenting with form, acting on any new awareness, and also our self-belief in the ability to adapt to challenges. Um, it's also known as self-efficacy in uh, counseling and psychotherapy. And what I found uh, during my research was afterwards that um, therapeutic writing has the potential to be a tool to deepen our understanding of the more internal and intimate emotional landscapes that we can tap in through Vedic meditation, because it can be a bridge between the inner, more intimate geographies that Vedic meditation can allow us to explore, such as our connections with ourselves and other people, uh, our, perception, our perceptions of time and space, and implicit awarenesses and emotions, and some of the more tangible external emotional landscapes that we uh, navigate, such as you know, our behavior and our relationships with ourselves and others. And I think um, part of the reason that therapeutic creative writing can do so is because it's versatile enough to allow us to express some of these more inner, softer parts of who we are and who our emotions and our emotions that meditation can help to illuminate. And so during my research and in my practice, I also discovered that, you know, there are real limitations of restricting research into and practice of well-being therapies that only use ways of thinking and ways of analyzing that are rooted in Western academic traditions and that also rely on the English language. I mean, for my, from my experience, almost all of the research into meditation has been written by researchers that have been trained in Western traditions of academic thinking. So their analysis is rooted in certain academic frameworks. And while this is inevitable, it also made me realize that there's a certain bias inherent in these ways of thinking and that using certain academic frameworks may mean that we overlook things. And for an example of what I mean is that uh, meditators often say that whilst meditating, they experience an absence of time and space. But do we have the most effective ways to explore that and understand this when the language that we use in Western academia has evolved to reflect experiences that are defined by uh, reality shaped by space and time. So there's a gap there between the experience of someone who is meditating and the language that we are using to try to convey and then analyze that experience. So I think that there's definitely a need for more research 
to explore the potential impact of combining therapeutic writing with Vedic meditation that use ways of thinking and analyzing that are rooted in non-Western cultures. And I think here there's an exciting potential to collaborate with, uh, for collaboration among researchers and, pra and practitioners that are trained in both Western and non-Western academic traditions, because I think we could all benefit from it. And, you know, there'd be a mutual deepening of understanding, which could only then, you know, inform and enrich practice. But I'm also, you know, fascinated by the potential impact of twinning this kind of writing with meditation on the way that our brains work and then how we behave or, you know, neuroplasticity and neural functioning. Mine was a really small study, Anna, but some results pointed to a potential link between the practice of therapeutic writing with Vedic meditation and changes in thinking and behavior. So it'd be great to carry out similar studies to mine with the added element of looking at neural functioning and how our brains work and process. So I guess I think I'm talking about, you know, just deepening our understanding of emotional geographies here, really. Yeah, that's a really nice way of putting it. And there's so many interesting tensions in there, aren't there? Because in terms of like working within sort of existing biased structures that are kind of enclose the research in a certain way, but also maybe give it credibility in that sort of landscape. And what does that sort of enclosure do to the way we understand what well-being might look like as well you know how how might it sort of restrict our understanding about experience to a sort of you know a western perspective on spirituality or like meditation I find that really sort of exciting in terms of your practice that you're sort of trying to find new ways of almost doing the experience justice in terms of how it gets um, represented through your research. Is there anyone that, I mean, you spoke about wanting to collaborate or bring together academics that have a sort of non-Western perspective. Is there anyone that you'd be really looking to sort of find and collaborate with at this stage in your career? Or what does the, the future of your practice look like at this point, do you think? Well, I'm excited about the future. I'm just qualified in therapeutic creative writing and I'm you know looking to work with meditators and combining therapeutic writing with with Vedic meditation uh, and also working with the elderly and exploring what happens in our brains when we combine these practices but I'm also really interested in working with researchers and, pra and practitioners from diverse cultures and academic traditions uh, and I think you used a, you used an interesting word there when you used the word enclosed because I found in my research and in elements of my practice that there is a certain element of feeling trapped by the constraints of uh, the English language, but also certain academic frameworks, conceptual frameworks, ways of thinking about um, how we understand well-being, because it's there'll be very few practitioners within the world of well-being who would say, you know, we don't need to provide services and to more marginalized groups, you know, it's important to democratize access to well-being and both therapeutic writing and Vedic meditation can do that. But for me, it's more than that. I think that the only way that we can democratize access to well-being is if we, first of all, democratize how we understand what being well and well-being is, which can shift across cultures, and that needs to be recognized. And that will then feed into how we measure potential changes in it, and then look at how we design and, de and deliver and fund well-being services. I think moving forward, I, within the fields of you know uh, the intersection with arts and creativity and well-being there is more of an awareness about that that we can all you know do more to, to you know to fulfill that ambition 
think that's a really sort of intriguing and exciting place for us to end even though I don't really want to end but I just wanted to um, give the opportunity for you to in case anybody who's listening to this and thinks oh, I'd, I'd really like to get in touch with you and maybe they think about like building this sort of future that you describe in terms of uh, different collaborators where's the best place registry for people to find your work or your research or get in touch with you how might they go about that Sure, I'd be more than happy to reach out to people. Um, I have a website. Uh, my my practice is called Well Through Words, and you can find me at wellthroughwords.org. Brilliant. I'll make sure that I include that in the notes that uh, accompany this episode as well. And I'll also include a credit for the lovely sound piece that we heard earlier. Um, Rajeshree, thank you so much for sharing everything that you just spoke about with me today. I feel like it's been a really uh, lovely experience for me to get to know you and hear about your research and your practice and also to sort of take part in the activity. And I feel like it was a very nice peaceful space for me to sit in during this episode. And so thank you for holding that. And it was really beautiful. And uh, I really wish you all the best. And thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Hannah. Thanks for having me. To find out more, visit the Arts and Health Southwest website at www.ahsw.org.uk. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please comment, rate and subscribe in iTunes. Or you can send your feedback to me at info at ahsw.org.uk. Arts and Health Southwest is supported by funding from Arts Council England.